Welcome, welcome to the How Humans Work podcast. I am your host, Jeff Z, Jeffrey Salaji. So glad to have you here with us today. Season two is afoot and we are starting another journey into human nature. This time we're looking at the role passages play in the lives of my guests, the initiations, the transformations, the accidental, the intentful. Hold tight and listen in because we are about to journey into another incredible and beautiful series of conversations. Let's get into it. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Welcome to the show. As I said in the intro, I'm really glad that you're here. And I'm especially glad lately for the boost in listenership. I've been letting more people know about this journey, this project of creating a podcast. And so thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. Thank you for being interested in human nature. Thank you for being interested in my approach to the conversation around human experience, from story and myth to biology and neuroscience to stress, but mostly to people's personal stories, to the very deep and real fiber of life that happens in the contours of any particular one of us. And I've had some great guests so far here in season two. Um, I'm dropping this bonus episode this morning because I feel called to. I wasn't planning on a bonus episode today, but I woke up and one showed up. I woke up out of some dreams and I was able to sleep in a little bit more than I normally do because I've been up in the night for the past couple nights for various reasons. One is uh, dog health induced and the other was just last night. And so in the deeper sleep later into the morning and this beautiful NorCal September vibes, I found myself dreaming about Trevor and Trevor and some other old high school acquaintance. Trevor was one of those golden youth guys that just had a balance to him and a good vibe. And, you know, he was an incredibly handsome young man. And we were friends for a while. Um, we had some crossover at uh, a common school. And um, we had a little crossover and a couple of different people we dated. Um, and we spent some time together skating through the haunts of Thousand Oaks and Newberry Park. In any case, I found myself dreaming and seeing Trevor across the way and was excited to see him. But he was also walking with another person. Trevor seemed ageless. But on the other hand, this particular uh, person who I knew but could not recognize, and I knew I knew her, but I hadn't seen her in 25 years, apparently. And she was unwell. She had aged not well. And she was sick. And I asked if she had cancer and she did. And she had some kind of walking assistant device. And it was interesting just to look at her and see her and feel that part of time that is hard. One of the reasons I think the issue of time is coming up for me is in doing this season on passages, you can't really talk about passages without thinking about time. And so time has been showing up and I've been thinking about the passage of time. And yesterday I found myself talking with a client at my acupuncture clinic about transitions in time and the passage of time. And I was telling her that there's a way in which I feel that time is digesting me. You know, as I get older, 
in my late 40s, just around the corner from 50, I find that there's a kind of way in which my bones and myself are just being eaten by time in a way. And there's a wisdom that comes along with it. There's a difficulty. There's the illness side and the health side that comes along with time. But there's another thing that comes along with it. So I was getting real with her about that. And ironically, she has uh, some insomnia issues related to the passage of time. So it was a really beautiful conversation. So here I am waking up on a September morning and having dreams about time and illness and and also maybe a little bit of the eternal youth and Trevor. And so I started thinking about dreams and the passages they've played in my life. In a really personal one-off self episode here, I want to talk about how dreams have been a a vector and a vessel for me throughout my life that's helped me in so many ways. And I mean, of course, I had early dreams as a, as a child and little kind of scary haunt dreams. But my first real significant dream happened to me. I think I might have been a junior in high school. And I wasn't super motivated about much looking forward. I didn't really know myself very well or where I was going. But once I had this first dream, I knew that I wanted a life, maybe even a profession that included studying and learning about dreams. And this first dream I had, I'm going to share a little bit of it, was a little adventure. I was skateboarding with some of my friends, uh, maybe my brother as well, down to the local market to get some milk for my mom. And as we were riding in and out of the the driveway drainage, you know, on the curb there where it goes up and down along the driveway, found myself down in the market. I think there were a couple things that happened there, but somehow the dream suddenly shifted radically. And I found myself climbing up a very steep hmm, mountain might be exaggeration, but definitely a, a worthy hill. And behind me, there were two people and a dog. And one was a man and one was a woman. And I knew their spirits. It was weird. Like I wouldn't have thought this way as a young person to say, oh, I know someone's spirit or their spirit is clear to me. So anyways, I, they were following me up the hill. And as I got up to the top of the hill, this series of very fearful events happened which included finding an old kind of ancient rock courtyard that had writing on it that had incantations of things that were fearful to me. I probably would have called them evil at the time with my, my thinking and my logic. And there was also a wildebeest that was aggressively hitting its forehead against the tower on which I found myself on. Furthermore, the male figure was or was trying to commit a suicide out of its depression. And all this really intense emotional energy was erupting for me. And then suddenly the dream flipped again. And I saw a menorah with a rainbow hoop around it, like coming towards me out of a deep blackness. There was the light of the menorah and the rainbow. 
And I woke up from the dream with this super potent symbol. And immediately I, I became fascinated as fuck around what this, what was going on in me. So that's where my, my curiosity of dreams began in my life. And they, they carried on. In a way, I would say that for me, dreams have been as important a touchstone as outer events. In a way, I, my memories of my life also include the events that happened in my dreams. For instance, when I was on my first vision quest, when I was my first, maybe my second vision quest when I was 25 after college and trying to figure out my next steps, I had a massive dream um involving eagle feathers and owls getting their intestines eaten out by black cats and and that dream setup actually happened in the Los Padres National Forest above Ojai and I went to sleep under a, a big rock that night and I was looking out at Venus and that dream came to me and interestingly enough my interpretation out of that dream that epic night was to choose to become an acupuncturist. At that point in my life, I was really unsure about my place in society. And I knew I loved healing arts. I knew I loved poetry. And I knew I loved body work. And so the earlier exposures to Chinese medicine came back to me and said, ah, here, yes, this you, you are, you are going to find your shingle into society through this profession. So that was a beautiful dream and a beautiful gift. I remember this other dream I had that same year. 97 was a big year for me in many ways. And in this dream, I came across a, like a, a church. And in the middle of this church was a Mary figure. And apparently, I'm forgetting the technical name when things have a kind of a miracle to them, but it was a a porcelain Mary statue that was beautiful. It was weeping. There was tears that came out of it. And I had this suspicious thought that this tear thing was just a manipulation of somebody in the back church. But suddenly I found it was real. And suddenly I found myself holding and being held by this Mary figure and deeply feeling a kind of compassionate love of, of being held that pretty much unparalleled in a, in a common waking daily life. Um, there's been obviously some other kind of states I've been in that I've, I've felt those similar types of things. Anyways, profound Mary dream, right? Just kind of like teaching me deeply about ritual, really super fascinating. And dreams have also had amazing kind of foretelling foreshadowing things um my beautiful nephew christian um three days before he was born i was in the sierra wilderness and i was out on a stepping stones trip actually and i think those guys were actually juniors at that time and we were in 20 lakes basin just on the east side of yosemite and I remember going to sleep up there on this rock by myself and had this profound dream where my brother and his wife at the time were getting remarried. 
and there was this beautiful cake and the beautiful cake was exquisitely done and it had these two beautiful angels on it but one of the angels wings had an anomaly or something different about it and that they were going to get remarried in three days and you know my mom called me let me know yeah your nephew was born turns out he has down syndrome nobody knew but somehow the dream part of myself, just like these other symbols and these other emotions, knew something that was very profound for me. And then another time, I remember I had this dream when I was first starting my relationship with my wife, Alice, and I was in this fight, like punching, punching, fighting. And I wasn't just fighting one person, but I was fighting three or four. And finally, in the crucible moment where I just laid the blow on the person I was fighting with. When they landed on the ground, they became a butterfly. And there was obviously a profound transformative aspect to that dream, right? So like I was saying, I feel that dreams, and I don't always understand all of them, and they're not always grand, great, telling dreams. But they're there. They're, they're this facet of life that is always I'm walking with and walks with me in different ways. And my life is always deeper and more rooted when I'm in relationship with the energy of dreams flowing through my awareness. So back to the dream I had this morning where there was illness with this gap between this person I'd seen in 25 years. And I, just thinking about the, the deep illnesses we have, and, and this particular woman in the dream, I carried it with a kind of dignity and a kind of grace and a kind of humble realness that was great. It was like, oh, yeah, she is with her condition. And it's hard not to think about the greater condition we are in right now with the numerous challenges we face culturally, environmentally, as a country. What's amazing to me about that is that, or I guess it's amazing, but what's amazing is we are in some level dealing with human illness of all kinds, whether it's the personal kind of addiction or it's the disease of cultural inventions the outputs of our creativity. And so one of the things I think is really important in relationship to the tide of awareness of hardship that we have in this time in our lives, you know, 2021, the last five years have made it very clear that we are not necessarily on an upward trajectory. We are not necessarily in a progression where everything gets better and better. There is loss, there is illness, there are these harder aspects to life. And I wanted to say a few things about illness um, coming out of the dream. And, and first, as an acupuncturist, one of my observations working with many people over the past few decades is that in our illness, there is initiation. Maybe it's unwanted, but when something breaks down, we are then required in some way 
or we need in some way to learn how to put it back together if we can, if we can. And so when we become ill in a situation, obviously, you know, something short-term like the flu, we appreciate, oh my God, feeling energy, feeling okay, you know, all the clarity of the mind, you know, if the lungs are full of phlegm and we're coughing and it's just like slowing us down and it's just a pain. Oh, we remember again, yes, what a beautiful gift having lungs that are working are. So as we enter into any kind of illness, um, even, you know, my observation and what I've witnessed with people with cancer is there is deep teaching inside the adversity. And one of the beautiful things about life and adversity that I think is not being said enough is that we are evolved in a very deep and profound way to be ready for our adversities. And it's not necessarily the first layer or the first sense of any problem we have. But as we work through it, we begin to discover that we are adequate and in some way deeply connected to the process before us, a meaning that we are evolved to adapt, especially as humans. I mean, the most versatile species around in terms of our ability to adjust to different kinds of conditions and survive, right? So... Going back to Venus in the dream on the mountain, on my vision quest, last year during the pandemic, as I was studying, and I always study stress, came really clear to me. I was looking at Venus one night, her friend's backyard, and I saw this message or felt this message. And maybe it's the perspective of, you know, two planets floating in the same solar system, caught in the same gravity story. I'm not sure how it came to me, but again, what Venus told me, you're looking at Venus that night, showed me is that Mother Earth, not in a like scientific evolutionary story, but more like in a deep ceremony of life at a level of mythic energy placed in us our stress response, our anxieties, our feelings, our hardships, the things that come up when we're mad, frustrated, afraid. And that stress response is there because it's the way Mother Earth can communicate directly to us. And we can become or work to become balanced with the Earth, with ourselves, and with our communities. And that was a mind-blowing, shape-shifting perspective on the story of stress for me, which is this, just to say it again, that our stress response is not there because we're just afraid and we have lizard and reptilian instincts and this kind of, you know, old story. Yeah, that's there, but it's deeper than that. It's the living relationship with the planet has a way to communicate with us and that we can find through our stress a kind of harmony. Now, because our relationship with the planet is so mediated by culture and distracted by culture, 
and uninformed by culture, maybe disregarded to some degree. I mean, we all still work by the sun and in rhythms. There's no way we can escape it. But our felt sense of belonging deep in the heart of this planet where we dwell is not very front and center in the story and experience of myself or people that I know by and large. I think that's the modern condition. And so where does that leave us? What it does is that system that's there to guide us as, say, an indigenous elder might know that the hunter-gatherers might have deduced inside themselves over many generations and been able to impart and show the righteousness, the relatedness of that conversation. That leaves us with feeling more at odds with our stress and our stress experience. So all this is to say that I think in the big tide of pressure that we now feel as a collective, that part of our individual responsibility is to anchor ourselves in the rhythms of the earth. Because what that does is it transforms the nature of how we feel and think about our stress experience. When we are dislocated from the earthly rhythm, and the planetary nurturing and presence. We're left alone in some way and inadequate to understanding stress, and we are more likely to find errant responses. Get my drift? I think I've made myself clear. And so here's my bonus episode today. And I'm pulling out this dream energy, just a review, and the dream of illness and talking about the passages of dreams and the passages that we are in as a society, as a community at this time. In a way, it's the simplicity of sitting by a tree and getting out of the chaotic you know, brainwaves or vibrations that come along with a self, an ego that's so separated from its context and beginning to re-harmonize ourselves with such things. And, and, and yeah, it is simple and not a simple mental exercise we do, but what if restoration, what if figuring out this adequacy to the stresses before us included rerouting ourselves. And I think it does. That's why I'm talking today. I think it does include us moving into small doses of earth rhythms. So the invitation out of today's episode is to, is to come present to the earth in some way, some simple way, and not as an object of, you know, mental activity, but instead as a remembering and a participation that we belong. And when we belong deeply, there's something beautiful about that. So next time you're needing a reset with your stress, 
next time you are in a state of stress, you know, go sit by a tree and breathe and tell your sense of self rethreaded, rewed to our home and then see what your stress has to say then. Thank you so much for joining us today. All music is performed by the incredible and effervescent Chase Jackson at chasejacksonmusic.com. Please support this podcast by following us on your favorite streaming platform, sharing it with your community and friends, and by making a modest donation to our Patreon page. To learn more about this show, our guests, as well as Jeffrey and his work helping people make peace with their human nature, go to howhumanswork.us.